2: LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartman Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Credit Union O'Neill Street or cartmacrosscu.ie
4: Friday morning the 3rd of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The town of Drogheda has been allowed to descend into a state of anarchy. A lawless, dangerous town where residents fear getting a bullet in the head going about their day-to-day business or getting burnt in their beds where... They sleep innocently at night. Last week's drive-by shooting prompted a response and today cops are swarming Drogheda but why was it allowed to get so bad and should the Minister for Justice apologise for his failings? We'll hear Charlie Flanagan's response to that question presently but first to the government's failure to address the housing crisis. how government has failed 3,821 children. These children do not have a home. There are 1,733 families with without a home. 6,484 adults are in emergency accommodation. In total, there are 10,305 people who are homeless in Ireland. That's the official figure. Damien English is a local TD in Mead West and the Junior Minister for Housing. He joins us now. A very good morning, Minister. Thank you for joining us to talk about this shameful failing on the part of government, but I suppose people have the opportunity to punish government by voting for anybody but for the gale on the 24th of May.
1: Um, Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on and thanks for the opportunity to to talk through this. Um, Look, absolutely, Uh, there's thousands of people who don't have a house today who we want to make sure we find them a home and find them a house. Uh, The failures are for a a housing construction sector that has failed, failed for a long number of years. Our job, uh, my job in government is to do two things. A, is to try to correct that as quickly as you possibly can in the present for those families today who don't have a house but also to put long-term plans in place to make sure we never go back to this and we never have a failed housing sector in this country again and that's why we have made 25 year plans here not just uh, two or three year plans but I, I'm happy to go through all that which you know, no problem at all and you ask people will judge us absolutely they will judge us mm. and I will say one thing I would ask them to judge us on the plans and to look at the details behind it and what we are trying to do here it's very very complex no one is hiding from this we are the ones to publish the figures we're the ones that, that, that listed no, but dicky, you,
4: you've it. dickied the figures.
1: What's that, Michael?
3: You, you dickied the figures.
1: No, we certainly haven't dickied the figures. And again, I want to make two things. I listened back because I, I couldn't make the debate yesterday with Owner I, I listened back to it. And it was grand, it was a lovely chat just had and went through all the problems. But I didn't actually hear uh, Sinn Féin or Owner Brennan putting forward solutions. Everybody puts forward and tells us the number of houses we should build. But nobody actually has a plan to, 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 to actually deliver them. Our job was starting two and a half years ago. This year, we knew we needed 10,000 houses. To make that happen, we had to start two and a half years ago, put all the plans in place, go site by site, work with the local authorities, put people back in there, put money back in there, and to build the houses. And Mm -hmm. that's why I know if we stick to our plan here, we will solve a housing shortage and homelessness, but it can only happen by putting in place... Uh, strategies and plans to deliver house, not to talk about, not to magic up numbers, actually physically go site by site and make it happen. And I want to make one more point, and then I know you'll load the questions for me. Uh, Owner Brain and many others have said rebuilding Ireland hasn't worked and isn't working and so on. I would just be very clear on this, this is purely and utterly factual, and all the numbers back this up. Since we started rebuilding Ireland, 72,000 families have been helped into a home. And that's the truth, Michael. And if we didn't have this plan, your number would be the 10,000 plus 70,000. So we are intervening. We are making a difference. I accept, so does all Murphy, so does the Taoiseach, that it's not enough for those families that are still in emergency accommodation, that are in a hotel or a Bnb — and I accept that, and I'm happy to talk through that. But if we stick to this strategy and this plan with the houses that are being delivered this year and next year, we will solve this. And that's because we started a plan uh, two and a half years ago I also hear debate. Well, why didn't you start this seven or eight years ago? Just to be very clear, when we came into government in 2011, there was no money. Nobody would give us money. Nobody had money. This country was broke, and you actually couldn't give a house away. Uh, And there was 3,000 unfinished estates. The, The problem became very significant during 14, 15, and into 16. The first opportunity we got to put real money and real strategy behind the housing crisis was in 2016 and it's since then on our last people to judge us Mm. when we put plans in place and we will deal with this and we will find a home for those people because that's our job and we will do that
4: People will tell you, as Ono Brid did yesterday we've been hearing that for seven years now eight years now uh, and you will say, well you've only been hearing it for two and a half years now Uh, But whether it's two and a half years or eight years, uh, it's got worse month on month, hasn't it? it, Just
1: to be very clear, Michael, um, there's two issues. The number of families presenting have increased year on year. The number of housing solutions and houses we're building has increased every year over the last two and a half years. And eventually one catches up on the other. Well, you have to build the houses, you have to bring back in vacant properties, you have to do all that, and then you can really reduce the number of people who are homeless. Yes, you are right. I mean, it's fair to say, and we we take March as a good example, right? In March, 173 families, let's let's take the Dublin area as an example, 173 families presented as homeless, as needing help, okay? Now, unlike two years ago, we were able to step in and help a lot of them straight away. So 91 families, there and then we found them a housing solution so they didn't actually go into emergency accommodation they became homeless and we found them a home straight away that didn't happen 2 years ago and that's why the figures got so high out of the 173 families another 82 another 40 another 82 families we couldn't find a home for straight away so they are today in emergency accommodation, which is like a hotel mm. or a family hub. But we will find them a house in the weeks ahead and the months ahead. Now, it's, it'll be a rented house. It'll be through the HAP scheme or into some of the vacant stock that we buy and build and so on. But the locators will judge who's next on the list. But we will find them a house and they will be made an offer. And then eventually we'll get them the more permanent house that they need for a social house as well. So that didn't happen in the past. Two years ago, somebody entering a marriage accommodation could have been there for two years or three years. That's the bit that's changing now. So our supply of housing is coming on. We are finding housing solutions. But absolutely, Michael, mm-hmm. uh, we, we were, getting, we we're finding it difficult to stay ahead why? Are numbers presenting. Wh-
4: so, why Why is that, Minister? Why okay. why why are so many people presenting homeless? What is causing them to come uh, to their local authority and say, I have nowhere to sleep tonight?
1: Right, absolutely. There's, and that's, the, that's probably the best question you could ask, Michael. That is, without a doubt, uh, a housing shortage and not enough vacant property. Where were they okay. sleeping last night, now, though? It, well, again, you can ask that question to many people because sometimes... Uh, it, 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 people become, you know, all of a sudden it's an emergency late at night, and that's difficult circumstances. There's, there's generally social reasons as opposed to economic reasons for that as well. But just to be clear, out of the presentations that come forward to us per month, let's say it's an average 180, it's a roughly 50 50 in terms of the, the reasons for that. It's 50% to do with um, only unaffordable rent, high rent, difficulties in their tenancy, or difficulties with a landlord who might have an issue with a bank. So there are economical reasons, 50%. The other 50% are generally to do with social reasons and family reasons and difficulties that happen in people's households that we then have to intervene and help them through that and try and help them find a second home or a new home through other social workers and other supporters.
4: How do you mean that? They were living with their parents or something like that and they were asked to leave?
1: Yeah, exactly, Michael. That's one of the cases, yes. um, It could be a family break-up.
4: Why is it happening to this extent in this day and age, and all of a sudden, to, okay. to the extent that you're building as many houses as time and money will allow, but more people are finding themselves getting kicked out of their house by their parents or their landlord. Yes. As,
1: so okay, so we, we whatever that's, whatever again, a very fair question. There was always that situation, okay? But there was always, or not always, but generally there was spare housing stock around that could be used in that situation. That if that if that happened, and they had to leave their family home for whatever reason, a break around a parent or a break up of the home or whatever. Okay, generally the local authorities would naturally would have had to use emergency accommodation for maybe a week or two years ago, maybe a month. But would then find them a home because there was vacant homes around the place. Okay, new houses coming on, but we didn't build houses in this country for ten years because of a broken housing construction sector. I won't go into the history of that, but it was bang jacked and nobody was building houses. So it's so not that,
4: that more people are becoming homeless that, this so year or
1: in, in, in recent times
4: or, than would have been previously the case. It's that there isn't anywhere to put them.
1: No, in, in it, that's absolutely the main reason, number one. But number two, then, add in on top of that, the other category of people, which is to do with economic reasons, and extremely high rents in different parts of the country. And that's why the pressure is on in the cities and in Dublin and so on. You wouldn't see as much pressure on what's common or Mayo. So So, the properties have got very expensive, high rents, and again, that's all linked back to an under-supply of housing. So, uh, behind all this... And, is gover- and government
3: on?
4: policy.
1: Well, the government policy, just to be clear on that now, okay? And, and, and I'll give you an example of why this is. Governments before my government, before Fine Gael were government, stopped local authorities building houses. And that's a factual, and that's the truth, okay? When we came into government then, genuinely, we didn't have money either, so we couldn't ask local authorities to build houses. As soon as we got money, we had the policy changed, and we asked local authorities to go back out there and build local authority houses, buy up vacant properties and work with the sector. And that's why mm. last year, Mead County Council uh, brought forward over 1,200 new housing solutions. And it's also, but
4: Minister, it's, al, it's also because you've allowed rent to spiral out of control and government subsidies hasn't kept up with uh, the increase in okay, rents. Again. Rent allowance was... Decreased uh, and HAP payments are generally far below the rent that yes. is expected and the tenants are uh, obliged to top up what has okay. been asked. Upon.
1: OK, Just to, again, Michael, that's a whole different scenario relating to top-ups, but, but I it, want to be very clear here. It's
4: government have, policy.
1: We, OK, to be clear here, Michael, we have now today about 48,000 people in under the HAP scheme who are in a successful tenancy and it's all going well. We adjust the rates of the HAP scheme in different parts of the country, at different levels, to match the They're needs.
3: They're still far
1: I'm, too low. Sorry, Michael. I'm, I'm about to explain to you. Uh, in in there is there's a set figure set around the country, and then we, we there's a percentage increase that local authorities can use. And in most cases, it's not too low. There's a boundary. That, there's a there's a percentage they can increase to be able to do a deal to keep somebody in the home. So let's say today you're in a in a, a half house and you're you're in difficulty with the landlord, mm. and the landlord wants X, Y, and Z, or more money or wants to sell the house. The local authority, through our various programmes, can step in there and work with that landlord to keep you in the home. And that's what we do now in many cases. But the that didn't happen majority
4: easily, of tenants but, are topping up, aren't they?
1: Uh, sorry, Michael, I don't have... I know some are, and I, I'm no doubt mm-hmm. some are, but we don't have all the evidence on that because they're allowed top up with the HAP scheme because many people on the HAP scheme are now yeah, back at work.
4: I can't um, remember the, the figure offhand, but Threshold had a, a survey recently, and, and as I recall, the majority of tenants are paying top ups. Yeah, but
1: Threshold again, we, we you know they, they, they operate a service on behalf of the state, and we mm. work with them, and they're part of our NGOs, and we, we you know, they, they, they use our money as well to do some of this work. And we analyse the reports. I don't have those figures on me, and I, I admit that absolutely. But that isn't we use we, people are allowed to top up if they're back of work can afford to do that in other cases the state tops it up so we work in areas of high pressure to pay extra rent but the difficulty with high rents again michael is back to supply of housing and that's why when i say we put in place here both short-term plans to deal with this in the next over these years but also on the project 2040 we've set out that this state will build about 30,000 houses every year for the next um 25 years and that's our job that's what we're doing right and then a part of that we've committed taxpayers' money to build uh, 10,000 social houses every year. And then I listen, I'll be honest with you, I listen to people like Sinn Féin claiming that we're not doing enough. If you actually analyse their plan. They don't have the same strategies or the same ambitions. They're not committed to delivering the houses we are for social purposes. So talk is cheap. we put real money behind this, real strategy behind it, and we're implementing the actions. And that's why when you analyse it year by year, I can put my hand over my heart and go through these figures with you and tell you this okay. year you will see 10,000 new social houses in this country. I have we that. Because we started that work two years
4: ago. I have that threshold data, or at least the headline data, uh, and it's almost half of HAP tenants who are paying top-ups. The average is €177 euro, uh, a month. Uh, some are typically, they say, in urban areas, paying €300 euro or more a month. It's a, an awful lot of money that people yeah. are having to come and, up and with. And again, Mike, top. what
1: happens in a HAP situation? We The state, as I said, has about 48,000 HAP houses, and we intervene and pay uh, the majority of the rent in most of those cases. A lot of HAP people are in uh, HAP tenants are luckily and thankfully are getting back into a work environment and they're now getting jobs and their income mm. is increasing what? and they choose in some cases not that they, not that they want to yeah. but they're able to in some cases do top up. Other cases you're right they're often forced to do that and that's why we're trying to intervene now with the, with the new legislation coming through the door to intervene to protect those. And you
4: get to so, the root of the problem there Minister do you not and that housing is unaffordable for people?
1: Well that's exactly what we started with at the start Michael of course it's unaffordable because we didn't build houses for 10 years we are missing 10 years' supply of housing. We, we don't have enough. And actually, no. uh, in, it's only six or seven years ago, we had far too much. And I said you couldn't give a house. But away.
4: house prices were rock bottom when you took office in 2011. They were, they were rock
1: bottom, and we yeah. didn't have a single penny. And you know that. We were 20 billion. Uh, but you were in government, you didn't,
4: you, you didn't stop the prices from increasing. There are,
1: it's, it's, it's there, to there are
4: tools available to government to
1: uh, do that. Michael, just to be very clear, there's a constitution in this country. People mm. own their private property. We can't intervene uh, in any way you like in the property market. People have got property rights. Just to be clear, most people, and certainly most people my generation, in their late 30s and 40s, uh, had bought a house and were, were, were left with a mortgage of probably 300000 for a house mm. worth 120000 in dire straits by a failed housing construction sector. In some cases, not in all cases, house prices have come back up, but the majority of people that I know are still struggling to pay the mortgage and are still in negative equity because house prices were left mm. skyrocketed it's by previous The we Central Bank the
4: other day saying we're looking into another property bubble. Under this administration? Who said that, sorry? The central bank.
1: Well, no, they didn't say that. They said if we didn't intervene with all the policy changes, you could end up with a a property bubble. Hmm. And that's why it's important for us to manage the supply and to get it to, like this year, the new supply of housing would be about 23,000 houses. We know we want to get that to about 28,000 and keep it there for 30 years. And that's what we will do. But that was never done before in the history of the state. We had a situation where one year you'd build 90,000 houses and the next year 10,000 houses. That's not a way to approach a housing construction sector. It doesn't give any guarantees to to a house house purchaser, to a person who wants to rent, to somebody who wants to have have their job in construction. And again, you think about government policies in the past. When we built 90,000 houses by a different government, Fianna Fáil-led government, only 5,000 of them were social houses. This year, we'll build 23,000 houses. And over 10,000 of them will be for social houses. That's the difference in policy. And that's the difference in policy that will make, that will fix housing in the, in the, in, 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 in the, in the months ahead. Because we're intervening now with policy changes and okay. real money and real actions. All right. And I have no problem, Michael, I'll tease it through with anybody in any of the issues. And a big part of the work is also to bring back in vacant stock. Because people say to me every day of the week, they oh. walk down the streets and see vacant properties. And I totally agree with them. It's madness to have a vacant property on one side of the street and a homeless person who needs a, is in a, in a hotel on the other side of the street. We're try, trying to bring the two together. There's a lot of policy interventions there. Some you don't agree with, by the way, we've discussed them before, to try to encourage those vacant properties back into use. We've also rooted out about 10,000 houses that the state did own that were lying empty since 2011, and they've been brought back into use as well. So there's many ways to intervene here, but uh, behind it all is about supply. And I want to say the last thing as well. Yep. While we're waiting for these new houses, we have to try to help people who are in a emergency situation and make that that journey as short as possible and many people that are in emergency accommodation today, certainly in Mead and Loud, they get offered a house quite quickly, a rented house and a housing solution and then they remain on the waiting list to get a more permanent house into the future and that's how local authorities are intervening and they're doing a, a good job now they couldn't do it three years ago because they had no money okay. no people.
4: Minister, thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, this morning, uh, that's uh, Minister of State at uh, the Department of Housing, Damien English who's uh, a TD in Mead West.
2: Michael, Michael Reed
4: on, on LMFM. To the ongoing criminal gang feud in Drogheda which has resulted in 174 violent incidents. There's been concern for months but the policing response has been to ban overtime, relocate Guardian and stand down the armed response unit. The Minister for Justice was in Drogheda yesterday and spoke to Eamon Doyle for LMFM. Eamon began by asking Charlie Flanagan why it was decided to re- reduce
5: Garda numbers in the middle of a vicious feud. These are operational matters that are decided from time to time by the Garda Chiangana. I don't direct operations. I make funding available. I'm satisfied that the Garda budget of 1.76 billion uh, is of record proportions. Uh, I talked to the Garda commissioner and his management team on a regular basis. Uh, I'm very keen to ensure uh, that there are sufficient uh, operations here in Drada ongoing uh, in order to bring these matters to a successful conclusion and take those responsible off the streets and before the courts at the earliest opportunity.
6: There's a GPC meeting next weekend on Lear about intimidation uh, within Louth, Gardie and stuff like that. Is that something that yourself or indeed the Commissioner will attend?
5: Well I'm, I'm briefed on an ongoing basis by both the Garda management here in County Louth um, and local politicians in particular, my colleague Deputy Fergus O'Dowd uh, with whom I speak uh, on an almost daily basis. Uh, so I, I, will, I will receive a full and detailed briefing. Um, I'm satisfied that those members who uh, are members uh, of, of, the JC, of the JPC
6: uh, will highlight uh, any difficulties or challenges in the area. This feud started last July. There's been 71 incidents now since then between bombings, uh, mm. petrol bombs, shooting, etc. Um, why has it taken till now to really do something about this?
5: No, there's been an ongoing development here um, in Drogheda over the past number of months. Um, I visited here just before Christmas, got a detailed briefing. Uh, I saw myself the success on the part of the Garda here in terms of successful searches, um, a recovery of firearms, other materials, number of arrests. Uh, I'm satisfied that a concerted and sustained effort is on the ground here in Drogheda. Uh, Acknowledging as I do at these are challenging times and would urge everybody in the community to cooperate fully with on Garda Any piece of evidence, no matter how innocuous that person might believe it to be, mm-hmm. should be passed on here to Garda HQ in Drogheda uh, and I'm satisfied that every effort is being made to bring these people to justice.
6: I was talking to one of the guards himself, he said it's a, a tinder box. He says that he feels that maybe judges, for instance, can start passing stiffer sentence on these people.
5: No, I, I, I'm, I'm very conscious uh, of the very positive um, reputation of the town of Drogheda and its people. Uh, I'm not going to tolerate a situation where a very small number of people uh, bring this town into disrepute. Uh, welcome the fact that the Garda Commissioner is here this evening uh, and every effort will continue to be made uh, to stop this unacceptable behaviour.
6: So some of the people in Drahada they don't like going to bed at night. One couple sleeps, the <coughs> other couple sleeps during the day. This is what they're doing. You know, they're in fear. And what do you have to say to them? Because I think some people on the on our morning show the other day felt that you may have owed the people of Drogheda an apology.
5: No, I I want to offer reassurance to the people of Drada and surrounding areas. This is my second time to be here in a number of months. I'm kept fully briefed by both the Guarantee and Deputy Fergus O'Dowd. We've had a number of dull debates on this issue, and I'm satisfied that Operation Stratus, uh, which has been ongoing here for a number of months, will bring this matter to a successful conclusion, which is what the people of Drogheda, and indeed the people of Ireland, want.
4: The Minister for Justice, Charlie Flanagan, speaking to LMFM's Eamon Doyle yesterday. Now, a demonstration has been planned to take place on West Street at four o'clock tomorrow. People are asked to come out and show solidarity against violence on the streets of Drogheda, and to demand action and resources from the Minister for Justice, Charlie Flanagan, who we've just been hearing from. One of the organisations Organisers of uh, this demonstration is independent local election candidate Paddy McQuillan, who's on the phone. Good morning, Paddy, and thanks for joining us. No apologies Honourable. from the minister there, but has the minister said uh, enough to reassure you?
7: Well, Michael, in fairness, now a lot of talk has come from the Dal regarding this uh, situation. Drada. if you look at last year, Simon called me from the Dal and said, uh, "Whatever Drada wants, the Drada gets." That never materialised. We got extra guarantee at Christmas. And then they were taken away from us. So I don't know, we just have to wait and see. When we see the street in the street, then we'll believe what's going on. And what is planned for tomorrow? Well, tomorrow we plan uh, a peaceful demonstration to show solidarity against the violence on our streets and to demand action and resources from the Minister, uh, to, uh, from the Minister of Justice, to bring this under control. Oh. Like, the FORGARDI and DRAWDA have just stretched to the limit. But they out of the resources and in turn people living in fear. So we're asking people to stand together and show solidarity against this situation that we're facing here in George.
4: And what about that fear? Are are you expecting a good turnout? Uh, Because I have been hearing that some people may feel afraid to be seen at this demonstration.
7: Well, look, that may be the case, Michael. People are afraid. That's the reality of the situation. But we have liaised with Superintendent Andrew Waters on this matter. And he informed that there will be a good gather presence on the day, and Inspector Declan will be in charge of this presence on the day.
4: And what kind of a, a turnout are you expecting?
7: Well, I don't know. Like you said yourself, Michael, people are afraid, but people are also angry. And so I'm hoping we get a good turnout. We need to send a clear message to the Minister. Like we welcomed the words of the, the Commissioner Harris last night with 25 new Gavi. But he was right in what he said people are afraid. But and he was right really too that we are the many, and we have to show the Minister that we are the many, and we're not going to stand for this. And enough
4: so is enough. All right, a, a lot of people will be off around the ring of Kerry, or out fishing, or camping, or heading off uh, further afield. Uh, it's a, a busy weekend, uh, the long weekend, the May weekend, and uh, people may not have uh, as much time as they normally would have on a, a Saturday afternoon. What's it involved tomorrow? Is it going to take half a day?
7: No, it's, no, no, it's not going to be too long. Uh, We're kicking off at four o'clock. We're going to have some speakers there. I've asked uh, members of all the main political parties to say a few words, because this is more than politics. This is draw. It's not going to turn into an election rally. Uh, We're going to have community activists speaking. Uh, We're going to have members of the uh, business society, the business sector speaking. And we're also hoping that a member of the clergy will say a few words. And with just the whole thing should only last no more than an hour.
4: Okay, four o'clock tomorrow outside St Peter's Church. Thank you indeed. Paddy McQuillan, an independent local election candidate and one of the organisers of tomorrow's demonstration.
2: Michael Reid Reed on, on LMFM.
4: LMFM. Incidentally, the Chief Superintendent in Louth is scheduled to speak to us a little bit later on in today's programme about the ongoing feud in Drogheda. But now to our election coverage, because on the 24th of May, you'll be asked to vote in the local and European elections, as well as a referendum on divorce. In the European election in this constituency, there are 17 candidates, and before polling day, we hope to speak to each one of the 17 candidates as well as hold a number of roundtable debates. James Miller is an independent candidate in this constituency, the Midlands North West constituency, and he joins us on the telephone today. And a very good morning to you and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, I suppose uh, you're not familiar or that familiar to too many people locally. Uh, perhaps uh, you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and why you've decided to stand in the European election.
3: Good morning, Michael. Good morning, listeners. Uh, I think I actually did an interview with uh, LMFM two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, on a a slightly different issue. Um, I'm involved with a think tank group, or kind of what you like, an assembly uh, of individuals called Spirit of Aaron. And we do bang heads on a lot of issues. And uh, about six weeks ago, The 5G issue raised its head in a big way, and uh, we thought that uh, rather than allow the thing to be rolled out by government, uh, that we needed to tackle it, and primarily that's the reason that uh, we have a loose arrangement with three individual, three independent candidates in this election, and so far I believe we've had a big win on the 5G issue because I think there's a consciousness now of the safety issues around 5G. And uh, I know a few people have backed off in the election race so far. They've already backed off the 5G because they realise that there's a perfectly safe option out there.
4: Just uh, just, just, just explain uh, to us a little bit more what uh, you're talking about. Uh, When you talk about 5G as being an issue, you mean in terms of uh, the national broadband plan, is it? Uh, And that it would be used instead of fibre cables. Correct. And you have a concern about safety.
3: Yes, absolutely. Why? Well, if you read the papers, uh, I don't mean the newspapers, now, I read the papers that are out there, I mean, I read one the other day, now, and it it simply put it down as criminally insane to launch 5G. And the sad thing about it is that uh, there's a perfectly safe option. There is no reason on earth why wired broadband cannot be delivered. Uh, It's only laziness and um, corporatism that is the, is trying to put out 5G. There isn't anybody who does any work on it. now, and I'm not the authority on this, but I do take it that Alan Brennan, who designed and installed the 4G network in the Financial Services Centre, amongst other things, and 30 years experience in this, uh, and I'd ask people to listen to him. Some of his interviews are there. And some of the things he tells us about 5G are unreal.
4: What are you concerned about?
3: Well, I don't like using the words because people think, oh, sure, that's just talking, you know, too much. Um, Effectively, uh, um, neither man-based bird bee nor insect will survive 5G. And anyone who doesn't know this, it, I don't understand. I have no idea why anybody could promote 5G when there's a perfectly safe option there. And as an absolute requirement, uh, it has to be stopped until such time as somebody can stand up and s- take, uh, put it out there with serious proof that it is safe. Because there's no evidence to suggest that it can be safe. And even 4G... If you listen to Alan Brennan, he'll talk to you about the safety guidelines that Ireland refused to uh, inform the public of, which they were instructed to do back in 2011. And so far, they haven't done it. In his own case, in his school, sorry, in the school where his children were attending, they put in, listen to this now, please, because every school in the country needs to understand this. They installed a system where there, I think it's 420 uh, children. They have 30 laptops. They installed a system capable of servicing 6,200 computers and turned it up to the last. Now, this is criminal.
4: Why? And, and like just, just just, just uh, before uh, you answer that question, James, uh, I just want to say that uh, I'm not... Uh, aware of the comments you're attributing to Alan Brennan, uh, wasn't aware that you were going to say it and we cannot verify what you're saying uh, well, but, you can uh, ask him and he'll verify it for you Okay, but I'm just s- stating uh, as a matter of fact that uh, in this pre-election interview that we cannot verify what you're saying uh, but we've heard what you've had to say uh, uh, and you're saying that it's criminal to power so many computers in a school, why so?
3: Because it will burn you alive, and I've actually got personal experience of that. And the detail is there, and Alan Brennan is the expert. He's an international expert on this, who spent 30 years installing it. Okay. And the problem here in Ireland is that we've refused, the nation has refused, or the state has refused to issue the guidelines.
4: Okay, well, we'll take these as your opinions, uh, because we cannot verify what you're saying about somebody else who isn't here. Well,
3: I'd ask people to... Or
4: without prior warning. Um, So we'll take them as your opinions. And we have heard what you've had to say. uh, But why would computers burn you alive?
3: Well, if you... Like, the radiation that comes from your average router, like, there are all sorts of guidelines as to how these are supposed to be used, but they have been issued in this country with no... No guidelines, whatever. None. There's no instructions, no safety guidelines. And Europe...
4: That's because they're perfectly safe.
3: No, they're not perfectly safe. Okay. No, they're not. And I can prove it to you as well. Right. And if I go up to you, I'll show it to you. I have the proof.
4: Okay, well, I mean, you don't need to prove it to me or to come up to prove it to me, but you need to convince our listeners...
3: Well, I would add... have a case to this, make uh, here. I, well, uh, let's put it another way. No, no insurance company will provide comprehensive insurance to a school where there's Wi-Fi. Now, here's the contradiction. Uh, department regulations require schools to provide pr- uh, comprehensive insurance for board, teachers, and patrons. Okay. And others. Okay. Now, the fact of the matter is you can look up lights insurance there and they'll tell you they will not cover 4g and that's what's providing the wi-fi in the school at the moment
4: okay i'd have thought schools had all types of insurance including public liability insurance well, and, have and have wi-fi but okay what other issues have you got james
3: well um if 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 we can stall the 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 5G thing then that will be a major success regardless of anything else um i i'm ama- amazed that uh, and i served with the united nations over 40 years ago so i'm no spring chicken uh so i know a little bit about the un and how it works but mm. in Ar- 1992 i think it was ireland signed up to agenda 21 nobody and i have found practically nobody Was ever informed about uh, Agenda 21 and what it is, and I'm asking your listeners out there to look it up. Yeah, don't believe me. Don't believe me. Look it up and ask your your elected representatives why you weren't told. And I mean, there's a. That the United
4: Nations agreed to sustainable development.
3: Well, it is, but it also agrees to. It's effectively an urbanisation program. To remove the public from the rural areas, put them into the cities, and to get rid of private property. That's there in black and white.
4: Well, is it? Because um, it funds an awful lot of projects. I, I of mean, it, does. La- la- last year I think it, it funded uh, around 900 projects a- across the country. Of
3: course, under leader.
4: Ma- many of them would be tidy towns projects. So what? Well, what's that? Got to do with the urbanisation of people. If
3: well, again, money is
4: being provided to an, an, to a, rural
3: Ireland. A thief won't come in and, t- and 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 tell you he's going to rob you, will he?
4: I'm not sure you understand the point.
3: Well, it's, it's perfectly clear. I mean, it's it's an agenda. Why want? Why weren't we told? It's a bit like Shannon Airport. Well. Take, I mean, take we one example. Told, like, we weren't told take, that the American military going through Shannon Airport were to be armed.
4: Well, take Gail Scaldin and me in me County Council's territory where they've provided them with money to put together a polytunnel for growing plants and vegetables with teachers, parents and students. Uh, they're hardly robbing them, are they?
3: Well, they say they give you a certain amount but the agenda is not what you think it is. And, I mean... I am involved with the public banking forum, which is a core issue and for me, and uh, I think it's... I'm looking forward to, and we have moved this thing agenda on considerably. I'm looking forward to the time when we have a loud public bank or a loud people's bank and a Meads people's bank and a Monaghan people's bank and a county bank in every in every county. Okay. And I mean, the... Okay. What we have, where we have gone in the last 30 years is down the road of statism, where the state has an input into every solitary thing that happens. Rather than uh, communities developing organically, it's all about what state environment or can be. James
4: I've actually uh, run well over time now but uh, people have the opportunity obviously to vote for you on those issues on uh, the 24th of May if they wish and thank you indeed uh, for joining us today. James Miller independent candidate for the European Parliament.
2: Michael, Michael Reed on,
4: on LMFM. On the 24th of May, you'll be asked to vote in the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce. Our local election, pre-election coverage will feature debates with candidates from each of the local areas every day in the run-up to polling day. We hope to speak to as many local election candidates as possible. The larger political parties are selecting which candidates to put forward while independents and others are being selected to participate through Draws. Today, we'll hear from four candidates in the trim electoral area, each of whom will hope to take one of the six available seats. After the break, we'll debate the issues with Joe Fox of Fine Gael, Falls, of Vera Kelly, Trevor Golden, who is an independent candidate, and Ronan Murr of the Social Democrats.
2: Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM.
4: Now, as I said, we're with four candidates in the trim electoral area. Joe Fox of Fine Gael, Vera Kelly of Fianna Fall, uh, Trevor Golden, an independent candidate, and Ronan Murr of uh, the Social Democrats. Two of uh, the four candidates with us for this pre-election debate are sitting councillors, two are not. So we'll uh, start with those who are not in office, Vera Kelly and Ronan Murr. Ronan, perhaps uh, you'd begin by telling us uh, why you've decided to put your name forward.
8: Yeah, so I guess there's a number of reasons but probably two stand out. Um, I think the first was when I came out of the polling station the last time around, the last election. I realised that it was there was no representative there and there was no party there that I felt really w- represented the type of country that I wanted my children to grow up in. Um, and at the same time I had been listening on the radio I'd been listen, watching television debates of this new party, the Social Democrats uh, Catherine Murphy, Roisin Shortall um, and what they were saying really resonated with myself um, the idea of arguing very bravely to keep taxation where it is but invested in high, um, highly accountable um, strong public services um, but at the same time reducing the cost of living and um, to put money back in people's pockets that way which I think is much more sustainable and I just felt, you know, that just makes sense um, and uh, I wasn't alone. There were a few other people in Meath who felt the same. Um, we got together, and we created a branch, and we four people running in the local mm. elections. And then uh, I decided that look, now was the time to put myself forward.
4: Would you think of it as new Labour?
8: Um, no, I don't think so. I think there's enough differences with ourselves. I think probably there's probably from an organizational point of view, it's a very kind of flat organization. It's new. Um, we have sixty candidates across the country. Um, a lot of young candidates. Um, more. We have more female candidates than male. Um, disability rights campaigners, farmers um, people who are working in LGBT rights, people who are, who are teachers um, uh, business, so there's a r- real variety of people um, and I think that probably was one thing that might set, set us apart
4: Ok Vera Kelly, uh, Ronan is a, a first time candidate, you're not, you've stood before, uh, why have you decided to stand again?
9: Well I stood five years ago and I missed out narrowly by five votes and so my votes were really divided in Enfield in my local area um, I suppose, like what someone has said here earlier, it is a bit of a poke and you get involved in the local community and working in the local community. So I continued to to work in the local area, in Balnebrackie, um, you know, in that section, Summerhill, Enfield, Ratmaline. That would be my kind of local area that I was working in. And I got drawn into kind of the Kildalkie, area into tissues there. So I suppose for me, it was just kind of... Given back to people, I wanted to give back to people to be more active, to have a voice, mm. and to give South Meath a voice. Because I suppose, even the last time I would have felt that South Meath have been neglected, they have been forgotten. And for us to actually get resources and services down in South Meath, we have a predominantly rural area. It's a huge rural area, actually.
4: Well, that uh, suggests that the <coughs> two men on either side of you have failed in their duty as such, uh, because it, it has a voice through the elected yes, councillors, obviously. Yes. Uh, and uh, from what I I know of the issues that are important to each of the candidates, there's a, a lot of common ground. Why do you think you could... Amenities, local amenities, uh, for example, is something I think that everybody has suggested needs to be improved. Why do you think you could achieve more than uh, the incumbents?
9: Well, I wouldn't be critical of, of, of the sitting councillors at all, actually. But um, I think that if people have a voice... and. Like I would hope that I would be that voice for the people of South Mead that I would go to the table and I would put the
10: Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and
0: still lost 50 pounds
10: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me
9: are relevant and are pertinent in our local area. And I think that is so important. And you need somebody that's able to get up and to shout and to call for facilities. Like Simple things and, like, been on the door mm. in the la- since I've been out canvassing since last January and I have, I suppose, distributed about 10,000 leaflets and that means that I have locked on 10,000 doors and I'm on, on the track again, doing it the second oh my time. Oh, God. But that's the, a
4: few pairs of shoes, isn't that it? That thats actually, and <laughs> yeah. a lot of
9: souling and healing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, like, the issues that are coming to my attention are very local issues. Like I was, um, last October, I did a poll for something as simple as a bus shelter in Enfield, Mm. where people, where the bus shelter was moved down along and the people were completely and totally exposed to the elements. Now, we're fortunate, actually, that we don't have that many wet mornings, Mm. but a morning when it's raining, when when you're... We
4: we have enough of them. When we do Mm, have mm, enough mm, of mm, them, mm.
9: mm, but... When you're sitting on a bus after yep. being drenched at a bus stop, yep. it's the only you, thing
4: that matters. It's exactly, more important than Brexit, or,
9: exactly, or what's and happening in Venezuela. It's local yep. issues, and you're yep. talking yep. to elderly people yep. about yep. services. Yep. I mean, I have been in Summerhill in the Age Well Live Well service yep. there. I've spoken to the people that are yep. accessing it. I have gone into the the local uh, community centre yep. in Summerhill yep. where Meals on Wheels is distributed yep. from. In fact, my husband would have been one of those distributors in the local area where Meals on Wheels yep. were brought to people locally, now they're picking them up on buses it's, it's a social inclusion okay. it's about including people Hold that thought for a moment
4: though Vera because uh, you paint a, a pretty good picture I think of what appears to me from reading my briefing notes to be the issues that you all considered to be of importance and it's a picture of life in rural Ireland and uh, some of the failings or facilities or amenities that are, are lacking or transport as the case may be. Uh, Joe Fox uh, you've been a councillor for the last five years and uh, you've been that voice uh, but does it matter how much you shout is it uh, not always possible to achieve?
11: Oh it is it's very important I mean, to, be, to, to be the local and I think it's a great honour be a local representative mm. I think it 's the greatest honor you can have that your your peers your local rep- your local uh, electorate pick you as the representative I think to me that 's the greatest honor you, you can bestow on anyone in a, in a, in a liberal democracy mm. i mean politics' a local election and politics to me is about local issues and its it's and particularly um, it 's all about serving people and looking after people it 's not about the sound bite. It's not about the uh, not about the headline. Mm. It's about getting the job done. And I think public representation is, all, to me, is about trying to improve the lot of the people you represent in any small way you can. Mm. I think that's what it's all about. I like this, doing this job. I actually love doing this job. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. And um, I think you can make a difference. I mean, but, I was chairman of the. But economic,
4: it, 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 is it uh, by its nature a. Uh, uh, uh a situation whereby that there are so many needs in rural Ireland that no matter how much you achieve, there'll always be. <coughs>
11: well, there always to do mean? It. Rural Ireland is vibrant. Mm. I I grew mm. up in rural Ireland. I grew up in Kildare, Belair area, living somewhere. here. Is it
4: vibrant or is it dying?
11: No, it's vibrant. It's very vibrant. I um, I'm I'm the only uh, candidate actually who was a herd number who's involved in, in farming. So, mm. uh, it's, it's it is vibrant. And I was chairman of the Economic and Social and Planning uh, Committee of uh, Mead County Council. I was very involved in the Mead Economic Strategy, make it Mead, make uh, Mead the the, the the business re- ready region of Europe. Mm. We had some remarkable achievements. <laughs> we have uh, Facebook, Shire, Avoca. I was recently at the opening two weeks ago of a, a plant, a Chinese plant in, in, in Navan. Uh, while we, they're, uh, they're, um, they're making instant formula for the Chinese market mm. using Irish product produce. We mm, were just
4: talking about 5G with uh, the European election candidates. Yeah. There's concern that they're uh, trying to spy on the world using 5G. How would they, but
11: just, the Americans uh, <laughs> the, the British have uh, said that they won't use them. Recently, I, I visited... Uh, a company in the south of the county. A robo- they're, they're making mm. high-end robotics. Yeah. They're they're employing three people. They're going to increase it to six people. Yeah. Meet Le- Leo. Have 1,200 people employed in and, and supported. You're not concerned
4: about cybersecurity, though, with Hawaii, are
11: you? No, no, sorry. Wasn't it? That's the uh, sorry. It's not. It's it's Hawaii. It? Yes. It's not Hawaii. You know, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I, I didn't. I sorry, really I pronounced it no, wrong. No, no. It's, it was, I this probably pronounced it wrong. This exactly. is an instant for, yeah, This yeah. is an, in, an infant formula mm. company that uh, supplies... Oh, no, there you not a five G crap. No, no, okay. no, 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 Sorry about that. Mine, I, I pronounced apologies. it wrong. My Chinese isn't that good. Mine isn't either. No. Job, so don't but worry. anyway, yeah. just I was in. Um, I was in this company. Five, they're producing. There, they're employing three people. They are going mm. to increase that to six. That's a small company supported by Mead Leo. Mead Leo created. Two hundred and thirty-one jobs in Mead last year. It is a small company, it's mm. under five people, all around the county. But
4: yet you believe jobs is a, an issue. So I, I, mean, I think that's a, an issue and that and all my, of the candidates. My are.
11: focus in the last yeah. would be to live-work balance, yeah. where you live where you work, and I think that's the. We we have Mead is predominantly a commuter county. Mm. People leave in the morning and come back. Now and, our and that is a problem. Let, let, let's it's talk not a about problem. that are Trevor yeah. Golden. But we're, we're, mm-hmm. getting, we're yeah. getting there. I mean, yeah. yep. the bloodstock industry okay. is another industry. Well, uh, well,
4: we'll come back to that in a moment. Yeah, let, right. let, okay. let Trevor Golden come in here because uh, jobs is a, a, an issue. Uh, I think that's uh, of concern to all of you. Uh, maybe not jobs, but getting jobs locally.
10: Yes, uh, Michael. It's very important that people can uh, live close to where they work. Agreed. I think it is disingenuous to think that we can provide jobs on the doorstep for everybody. Mm. That's simply not the case. As part of the independent technical group of Mead County Council, we looked to change that policy and we've seen the success of that uh, on the border with Dublin. We've seen Takeda, we've seen Facebook and stuff like that. And we must understand and realise that when multinationals especially come to Ireland, that they do want to be close to Dublin. Mm-hmm. And we need to exploit our closeness to Dublin. Mm. However, it will be difficult uh, for some years to come before we can actually bring large multinationals deep into County Mead. But we're working towards that and we've made great progress this outgoing council has probably made the greatest leap forward in economic development in County Mead yeah. for some time. And the other thing I would say is um, Huawei is the company with the 5G that you were okay. talking about. Yeah. But just when we go back to the amenities and stuff like that, I come with my track record. What I said when I was running the last time, I said where it was possible to deliver infrastructure, I would work to do that. I said where it wasn't, I would support local groups and clubs with financial uh, money from the discretionary fund, and I did that. And this outgoing uh, municipal district council for the Trim area we provided a new playground in Trim when we worked with a local playground committee. We did the same then in uh, Bolivar and in Enfield. <coughs> we went to other areas then and where we supported, I know Councillor Fox oh. was supported in Summerhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have done it in Longwood with groups, um, making the school hall more accessible to the local clubs, badminton, and so on. And those are the things that we've been doing. In the town of Trim just this year, I got an extra 50000 for the Porchfields walkway. I've been working on that since my days as a town councillor oh. and working away. The live-work balance is very important, but there is one thing I'm going to say. We are playing catch-up on playgrounds now. Because what happened was in the early 2000s, in 2005, all these villages were built up and none of the infrastructure was put in. The councils then have come along and it's only been this last council that Mm -hmm. we've been able to backfill. But there's another problem coming down the line. Playgrounds uh, are vitally important and should have been put in when the estates were being built. We're backfilling. Mm -hmm. However, children at that age can be occupied in other ways, shall we say. But when children get to young adults, when they're 13 to 18 that's what we need
4: facilities okay, let, 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 just, well just let Vera Kelly come in on that mm. because I, I think a lot of people would say that's the legacy of uh, Finnefall administrations
9: well I suppose over the year, like even now I see where there are housing states being developed in in our rural towns and there is a need for infrastructure development mm. and you know Joe and, and um, Trevor have been talking about bringing employment in I mean in Enfield we have what, what i consider a housing or an industrial estate and a half and they're not full to capacity and I haven't seen any extra um, industries being brought into Enfield I would say that there are a huge amount of small little indigenous industries in our community that need to be supported. Mm -hmm. But far more more
4: than all the jobs that were lost Um, under Fianna Fáil, the same political party that led this country for years with Charlie McCreevy's policy of spend today and worry about it tomorrow.
9: No, but I think that there was a huge amount of infrastructure put in place then, mm. and over the years that has been neglected. It has never it was been a meant huge to
4: amount of housing <coughs> put in place. Yes, without the infrastructure. Yes, but without the amenities.
9: Yes, but. How long is, is this government now in place? And they haven't developed just, that. Just they so haven't, that. They, they haven't, mean, they haven't they actually, they actually progressed progress on, on that. that. Like but you know, mean, but but know for me... sorry, Joe,
8: no, I need no, to come back to you, Joe. Can I just say, just
4: for that own work,
8: on the planning, like I think there is that legacy, and I think it has, and I feel it hasn't been addressed. And I know, Joe, you're talking about like it's a commuter belt, but I'm not here on the doorstep where people. People's fear is that we're being turned into a commuter belt and that they are lacking communities. And I know um, Councillor Gold and Trevor said about, about working t- with communities. Mm-hmm. It's only through the hard work of communities <coughs> like Invaliva, or like Longwood, like the Enfield Development Group, that they are getting resources. And for me, there's an elephant in the room, which your speakers mentioned on Monday, um, and I think the, uh, the government and the council have failed repeatedly. Mead County Council are the worst funded council in the country. Again, that it came up in areas, and it is the case, and it's not just me saying that. Mead County Council have put in three submissions. The last submission we got in a Freedom of Information request and they have talked about, and they're saying that they're, that they're talking about how they're, and these are quotes, under existing fundal, funding model, they're under severe pressure. They're struggling to provide the required levels of service to a rapidly expanding population. The problem is only getting worse. This is an air 50-page submission that was made last year and um, kicked to touch last week. So when people talked about it a few weeks ago, sorry, yeah. with that because uh, I know you had a chance to speak, Joe. That uh, the local property tax it's not going to affect homeowners mm. but how that affects people in Mead is the money that they're paying in local property tax that should be for local services that they shouldn't have to go with the begging bowls to councillors to try and get something exactly. done that should have been put in there um, is is not being provided, and the, a minister who's in this county has not provided. And I think what's what's really important is that this it continues not to be addressed. County council, I don't agree with discretionary Sorry, funds, me, but, the, but I do. I, I would say with okay, that because you just said begging bowls. Well, well I, 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 what I would what I I I say is that no, that's insulting. That, yeah. No, no, that's, no, 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 that's no, insulting no, to no. groups. No, no, I mean that is insulting no apologies. Like I mean, I've worked with like
11: development levies,
8: You have county, you have a huge amount of estates being put in. Okay one of the things that they've generated is development levies, which is money that is de- generated that goes to the county councils.
4: No, I know, but when you spoke about...
11: No, I think bonds, I, yeah, I, mean, about I have respond, funds, Michael, really. I need no, to no, respond, Michael. No, I wasn't talking about that. I mean, right. we'll you, about, yeah. No,
8: what I wasn't talking about that is I'm talking about, as you've mentioned okay. already, that when housing estates are built, <laughs> okay. that you should front load community <laughs> you're services you're okay and that... And that what happens is that... But they they're built, Ronan, they're built. That No, that when you're building a community estate, you should be having your playgrounds in place. You should have your local amenities in place first. Oh, yeah. and no, that's we what all agree that. We all agree I mean, we, I mean,
11: the, that. The main, we have uh, since... The, the the present uh, council mm. we were we were dealing with leg- legacies of the Celtic Tiger mm. and we've done we've but done a good job. Gerry Kelly then. said no, the Senegalese
4: Gov. government has been no, of in
11: office for seven years. Yeah, no, and under that administration there have been further problems. The uh, Mead County Council's budget in the last five years has increased from ninety-seven million to one hundred and twenty-four million. We've done that without increasing commercial the lowest funders local no, authority no, in the country. Look, why did that happen? That the rot sat in there from ninety seven to two thousand and eleven, when fe- when 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 we had Fianna Fáil ministers in the county, it was not mm. addressed. They, they, they didn't address our population. But went Joe, from are you saying that you're happy that we're not? Me we're county not county happy is the lowest funding. No, we are we're addressing priority. that. Our our three year our three our three year capital
10: debate.
11: Our three year capital program, Me County Council's three year capital program, which we agreed. Yeah. A couple of uh, just a month ago, mm. is half a billion euro. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to spend half a billion so, euro over the next three years. So you're happy? We're not happy. You're satisfied. We're never happy. You, 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 we're never happy. But what's, the, are, point? We're always, what's we're always, the point? We're always striving to do that. But you're making a point here, aren't you? I'm making the point. What is the point? The, the point is that we are addressing the issues so that are So you're satisfied caused. that the government is addressing they the are. underfunding of Mead yeah, County Council. Yes, and you're,
4: in other words, you're satisfied that Mead County <coughs> Council is the lowest funded local authority Yeah, in the but that's,
11: we are addressing that okay. issue. We are okay. addressing that Trevor issue. Trevor
4: Golden, you questioned yeah. the Uh, discussion itself. You said, uh, is this a a doll
10: debate? Yeah, I I think we need to get back to what we're talking about here. It is local politics. That's why we have local politics and national politics. And we start talking about the ministers and all. Yes, the council plays a role and we lobby and Mm. we do our motions and all that. However, When we say things like people coming with begging bowls and all that, that's not helpful because the discretionary fund was there. And the way I applied my discretionary fund was to groups and societies that had no other avenue for funding and to help them on projects that there wasn't sports capital grants or maybe that they. And that's where it was very important.
4: And I'm not. And they'll all give you their number one. No, but well, he, yeah. well, here's the thing, yeah. Michael, a
10: he,
9: with he <laughs> he think That's the problem. Hang on a second. H- hang on a second. Hang God. on
10: a second. It was there, and it was voted by all members of yeah, all parties in the in 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 the chamber. The one thing I'm going to say about it is is that I haven't exploited. Have others? Maybe they have. I haven't. I've been very discreet and worked with clubs and did it all silently in the background because that's the way that it should be. I don't think it should be used as a political tool. Others may have, and I don't. I cannot support them. Mm. But I will say one thing. The houses are built. The estates are there. I agree with and I've been mm. saying it for years that we need to have better planning going forward and we simply don't have it. And until government makes those changes... Well, then we are where we are. Okay. But local government has a job to do, and we can do I, it.
4: I think each of you uh, have a concern about transport and local transport links. Um, has anybody got a, a big idea
8: on improving transport? I think, like, I, like we, social democrats, one of the things we pride ourselves is looking what work. works elsewhere. Thanks. And then, um, like, for instance, we have Kells that they have a tech hub there, and I'm meeting people in in liver and Longwood and places where they have spent all their life in a car, commuting to and from work, and they're not having the quality of life where they're spending the time with their children. If you have greater tech hubs, community hubs, that allow people to work from home, like I said in Kells, where you have, like, um, start-up enterprises, it would add so much. It would add uh, economy into the, into the local environment there. It would be better for shops. So reduce and the need for transport. <coughs> reduce that really that has transport. been good at the,
11: the moment, need Michael. For we, have the, we have the Kells tech hub. We have the Boyne Valley Food Hub. We have our economic strategy, which is an outstanding success. Are well, you concerned us. about transport? Well, you? we have a concern about transport. Yeah. I, I would be, so uh, I'd agree with, with, uh, with, with, with Ronan about I am actually actively pursuing the uh, Trim Tech Hub at the moment. What well, can I just can, say? As, just as regards to transport, I think that there needs to be more integration with the transport. We have the Parkway facility mm. in Dunboyne. I think they, as regards Navin, while we wait for the train line, I think we could, there is room for well, a shuttle bus from Navin okay. from but Trim too, to link Kelly up with, to the other with, yeah. the, with the other yeah. services. They're I know what,
9: what Joe was saying and he's talking about the entry and I know that there are people actually that commute from my area over to the entry to get a train in. But yesterday I was in Summerhill and people were saying... What is happening with the bus? The bus service is absolutely mm-hmm. appalling here. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate in Enfield that we have a fairly good hub. We mm-hmm. have a regular service there in the morning, but it's so expensive. It's thirteen ninety-five. It it's yes. thirteen ninety-five from Enfield return on the train. Okay. There is inadequate parking. Our buses are the same. If you want to go on a private bus, it's cheaper. But I cannot understand that bus air in it is so expensive and it's inaccessible. But can you change we have, that? I we mean, have well, we are fighting for it. That. We have got we have the flexible we have actually improved the bus service from Longwood uh, 115 now goes from Longwood but in some ways and what Joe was saying, we need to connect like we need a little bus that will be yeah, like an imp, an imp bus for yeah. years ago they had them in Dublin when okay. I was working yeah. that would run from Longwood into Enfield connect with the Enfield bus very that would good. run for Summerhead yeah. and how much and more transport. Okay, accessible transport. service
10: mm-hmm. At Mead County Council we had reports and we had information back on the train to Navan. And the last time we got it, that a child born today will have their 18th birthday before there's a train in Avon. That's the numbers that we were told. And politicians continue to keep Mm. banging that drum. They need to be honest with people about the delivery of that. The other thing as well is that I sat on the digital uh, strategy steering group and there was a consultation there the other day. And we were talking about the tech hubs. And I'll say one thing about commuting and all that, and trying to offset it. Everybody is treating broadband and tech mm. hubs as a silver bullet. It's not. It's disingenuous to do so. The problem that we have is is that the companies you take Takeda and Facebook uh, at the at the border, they are high employers. It is different scales. It is different types of economies mm. so that we're talking about. They think they're mm. in Dublin. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that is the thing. Okay. And it is disingenuous to think that there's a silver bullet. Everything. If everything was easy, it we it would happen it's not it is more complex than people let on Okay. alright
4: listen we've actually run out of time now but before we finish up just very briefly and uh, you may as well continue mm. on Trevor Golden if you would uh, by wrapping up and asking people uh, to give support
10: uh, to your uh, candidatures thank you Michael yes I'm asking the people of the Trim Municipal District for their support for a second term of Meath County Council I'm not afraid to take on the big jobs. I've taken on big projects such as getting r- villages added to the gritting routes. That couldn't have been done for several terms before I arrived. I've supported local groups. I've been able to bring uh, a lot of amenities, especially to the town of Trim, where there's a new development planned. Uh, I think I make a big difference because I'm a straight talker. I don't play politics. I work politics. Okay,
4: Independent Councillor Trevor Golden. Thank you. Uh, Fine Gael, Councillor Joe Fox, uh, to summarise.
11: Well, to summarise, I think I've, done, I, I, I've, I've worked hard over the last five years. I think I've delivered in my role of job creation, uh, working with community groups tonight so they can ac- access the funds that are there. Uh, you look at the areas: Belair, Summer Summerhill, Enfield, Clonard, Hill and yeah. Down, Trim. <coughs> we have a new theatre coming to Trim. I've been on a community space that was been, has been talked about for the last forty years. It's actually happening now. These are things that actually affect people's lives. Like uh, like I worked well with with Trevor and rooting roots and all that. I was the only uh, councillor that accessed funds under the LIS and CIS schemes to renovate uh, cul de sacs and lanes. And it's my, uh, uh, my ambition that every cul de sac and lane in the, in the, in the area mm. will be remediated if I'm returned so And the I residents decide
4: to part fund it, of course. Well, yeah. well, right. to a okay. <laughs> yeah.
11: small. But it's. it's, it's All right. Thank they, you. If you ask Thank the it. residents, yeah. Yeah. and they're yeah. very happy. I'm sure they
4: are. Very yep. Yep. Sure very they are yep. yeah. All right, uh, Vera Kelly, you'll be asking uh, people to vote for you in Fianna Fáil.
9: Well, as Joe said, he's talking about the lanes. But I have been on lanes where people that have paid between ten and sixteen thousand already for services for building their houses, Mm -hmm. and then they have to contribute to a lane ten percent. They're not happy, Joe. They are happy. No, they're not. Oh no, no. The
4: debate is over now. Just to summarise, but
9: but but I would like I I would uh, as I say I ran five years ago. I come from a, a nursing background. I specialised in mental health. I am. I have been at the forefront working with people all their lives. In fact, I would have said at some stage where I have rebuilt lives from from the bottom right up to the top, where people have been severely depressed or in some way handicapped by their in, by their or um, I suppose okay. that's the wrong word, but in some ways, um, you know, kind of that their illness has 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 a. Uh, meant that they are not functioning at a level in which and I have worked with them, worked with them in budgeting, working with so I'm used to working in the in the public okay. arena with people and um, I suppose I've always enjoyed working with okay, people so I'm hoping that, that people will give me that opportunity this time so I'm looking for that four extra votes okay. out there so I'm no, hoping right. people will get out there and vote uh, v- and give very, me a Very brief and final word one.
4: then uh, to Ronan Moore who's a candidate for the Social Democrats
9: Yeah
8: look I guess I would ask, look, like, and I'm hearing people are looking for change. If yeah. if you want change, you're going to have to vote for it. Um, like, at the moment, we have a Fine Gael dominated council and a Fine Gael dominated Trim and Southmead area with the support of Independent. Um, and I feel if that is the case and yet we still remain the worst funded county in the country then things have to change and um, it's affecting issues around local amenities and all of these areas and I think as a party Social Democrats we are not the same old same old Catch from and from Ocean shore we're a party that works hard we're prepared to work with others and I certainly will work with others if, if people trust me with their vote but we are also a party and have a, have a track record of standing up for what is right and what is mm. decent um, and that's something that I'd hope that if people elected and I guess just finally Michael um, what I would say to people, though, is please come out to vote, even if it's a case that you choose not to vote for myself. But I think over the last number of years, local government has been gutted, um, and yet it's the most effective okay. opportunity for people and to make decisions that, that, That's
4: a, a message to people so specifically in the trim electoral area. You can all wave to them on uh, the Facebook live camera there, if you will, because uh, we're filming all of these debates. With thanks today to Fine Gael candidate Joe Fox, Vera Kelly of Fianna Fáil, Trevor Golden, who's an independent candidate and uh, Social Democrat Ronan Moore.
2: Michael Michael Reed
4: on LMFM. Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan, good morning and uh, thank you for coming into us here in LMFM once uh, again. Uh, You do so following a significant uh, announcement uh, for uh, the region, in particular for the town of Drogheda, which has uh, been... uh, the subject of a lot of national focus uh, and indeed a lot of concern locally because of the ongoing feud. Are you satisfied with uh, the additional resource uh, that you've been allocated with and do you believe you have the tools now to do the job?
12: Well, Michael, I suppose over the last uh, number of days we've had um, fairly comprehensive meetings with uh, my own guarded authorities and obviously with the Minister for Justice here last night. And I provided um, all parties with a very, very frank and clear view of what uh, is taking place within the, the town of Deraa. I also pointed out the, the the difficulties in dealing with the parties involved. Uh, you know, because uh, uh, they're certainly intent on uh, inflicting maximum damage, uh, as 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 your listeners would have seen. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, Um, so we certainly, uh, within the the town of Drogheda, uh, needed uh, a commitment. Long-term commitment. This, this is this is not for the short term because any guard operation that is undertaken has to have stamina. It has to be there for the long term, not for a month or a couple of months. This, this has to be long term, and it has to reap the re- rewards for the people of Drogheda Because I would be very concerned for the people of Drogheda, uh because um, I've listened to your show and I've listened to a number of other commentators who, you know, have presented what I would consider a very fair picture of what is happening. Uh, there's a lot of uh, disquiet, and um, basically asking what is Shikana doing, and what am I doing as 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 the garda manager for Loud And it's the I, it's the reputational damage to Drada Th- that I I would be concerned about too. Uh, we've dealt with a considerable number of criminal, serious criminal investigations over the last twelve months, uh, a number number before the courts, which is positive. But the judicial process takes a considerable period of time, uh, That that's set in stone, um, but we have arrested and charged uh, a considerable number. But in order to maintain an operation to target the activities of, of the people involved, and I, I have to explain that they're, you know, I mean, they're, they're led by um, an a small cohort, but there are a considerable number of people behind them to carry out their their violent acts on on their behalf, and it's to deal with the serious uh, intimidation of families. And I I, I I could show you photographs of houses that I visited in 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 the and and certainly in the Anagassutan layer uh, are the area where people, you know, the, their their sons or their daughters or somebody connected with them got involved with these people, um, ended up owning them a considerable sum of money and then when they endeavour to pay them back, they uh, are taxed and their bill is tripled, making it very, very impossible f- for them to deal with it. So, you know, the people have had to board up their houses, leave their houses mm. and, and I'm quite aware of that. And, um, you know, w- we have put... Um, operations in place to deal with those people and offer supports to families as regards how, how they were going to deal with the situation and we, ha- and we, thankfully we have charged some of the people but obviously there's a considerable number of other people that we have an interest in and the oper- you, can,
4: can you put a number on that Chief Superintendent? Would it be right uh, to say that you'd need in the region of 50 convictions to make the town safe?
12: What The, the way I would interpret it is that the gang the two criminal gangs that that have imploded um have support on each side, between thirteen and forty in each side. That can vary because it depends on who they perceive to be uh, getting the upper hand and it also depends on how vulnerable they are with their own drug debts and what they're willing to do on behalf of either group. And It it has to be understood, I suppose, that both of these groups worked together for for a considerable period of time and they were quite happy to continue on until one group started attacking and intimidating the other Mm -hmm. group. And, and and as criminals, that that that's what I have to emphasise. These are not these are not ordinary ordinary decent people. They're they're criminals, and I from day one, I have called this criminal dispute. And with any criminal dispute, there's fallout, but that fallout can be a benefit to us as a as, a, as an organisation, as an investigative organisation, because when they fall out, they leave themselves vulnerable, and they certainly have left themselves vulnerable to us, and we have been reaping the rewards to a certain degree, but. Obviously, it is very concerning that serious criminal acts have taken place in uh, in public places, and left the public very vulnerable. And and as as, as was seen mm. recently on, on social media, uh, a lady uh, was within inches of, of um, possibly losing her life, yeah. which which is 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 uh, it, it, very, it's, very it's incredible.
4: And, uh, and what yeah. happened subsequent to that, the yeah. amount of petrol bombs last weekend, people don't feel safe uh, and haven't felt safe. But I, I think people probably feel a little bit safer today than they did, let's say, on Monday because of the heavy guard presence that is very visible in the town now. Uh, And they're hoping that that presence will be effective uh, and that it'll bring about some sort of resolution. Uh, Undoubtedly, that's your intention. Uh, But uh, if people aren't safe today, uh, do you believe that it will be safe to come to Drogheda in August, let's say, at the time of the flap?
12: Well, I suppose I'll, I'll just strip it back a little bit, Michael. Uh, last week, when we had a number of very serious crimes took place in, in the Drogheda area, there was little point in me coming out and, and, and repeating what I had said before. I, I've attended a, a considerable number of meetings in, in, in this town, and I explained at great length about the deficit in resources. And and I'm not alone in this in the country, but I, I have to protect Drogheda draw it is and loud are, are, are my responsibility I'm here to make sure that people are safe so there was little or no point in me coming out last week and repeating what I had said what I did was I engaged with the people who have the wherewithal to provide the resources to me I now have been given a considerable package uh, obviously it'll be visible visible presence on the street but it, it, it allows me to have a proactive approach to dealing with the difficulties, rather than the the ordinary reactive approach that we that we had uh, heretofore. So I have a, a commitment to provide the resources, and I have documented my concerns. It's in hard cold uh, writing my concerns for the town of Drogheda and the risks associated with not providing the services that are required and and, and i'm not an alarmist i've been at this uh, work for 37 years so i've seen the good the bad and the ugly of policing so i've been told that i will be provided with it i spent the last couple of days preparing a plan with superintendent waters and with uh, my senior investigating officer so our plan uh, coupled with the resources that we have now will certainly Uh, provide uh, a lot of safety for people. I'm not saying there won't be some more uh, outbreaks of violence between these groupings, but when it happens, I would hope that we'll be there or that we'll be in a position to prevent it and, and deal with these people. So, as regards the fly, like last year everybody uh, and and uh, I was at it myself it, it it was a fantastic week absolutely top last week the council um, got involved obviously and and a lot of the, the businesses and it was a brilliant week for everybody in drada and uh, you, could, you could people are smiling uh, they're happy and listen to music and, and and culture flourished so we need to build on that I, I can tell you one thing. I will be providing a service second to none for, for, for the flat to make sure everybody is safe. And we will have a fantastic week. It'll be a very, very enjoyable week and people will be safe. The, there is a meeting tomorrow. There's a, a, a protest meeting called. Uh, I welcome that.
4: At this is the, the demonstration at
12: four yes. o'clock tomorrow. Yes, because mm-hmm. it, it's important that people, you know, express their views. You know, are people, are people safe doing so? Absolutely. Absolutely very safe doing so. And, 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 and I welcome that because I need to know the views of the people because I, I'm implied with the people. The taxpayer pays me, so I, I have to listen to what the people of this town and this 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 county are saying. And you know, the drug intimidation is, is an issue that is extremely difficult to solve, but we can make serious inroads. And I before Christmas I called a meeting of the yeah, JPC an emergency meeting. That's I don't the know.
4: joint pleasing committee, yes. which uh, involves politicians, involves public politicians. representatives, yeah. uh, and community activists, as well as the Guardie of course. Yeah, yeah.
12: and um, it possibly was maybe one of the first ever emergency meetings of a JPC to be called in the country. But I explained in great detail what our difficulties were and how and what I needed to resolve it. And I, I, to be fair to all our political representatives, they have given me considerable help. They have. And it it allowed me last night then to explain to the Minister of Justice the difficulties we face. And I was very, very frank with him. I I, I don't gloss these things up or or skirt around them. I'm very, very frank to the point this is what we're facing into. We're dealing with a lot. They're dealing with very, very, very violent criminals some of whose propensity for violence knows no bounds. That's as simple as that. They think they can do what they wish they won't be allowed to do with wish. And I, I certainly want to assure every person in Drogheda.
4: They do seem fearless. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people have seen the videos on yeah. the internet uh, and the way they're flaunting it, if you like,
12: yeah. would indicate a level of fearlessness. There is a certain level of fearless, fearlessness with them, yes. But I can assure you when they're arrested and charged, they lose that persona fairly quickly and when they end up in jail. ultimately, very few drug dealers live beyond 50 years of age very very few of them because they're either in jail or they're dead and that's the bottom line it's not a very uh, good business to be in there's another issue I, I, I'd raise you know it, you know, families have to look within their own family units sons their sons and daughters are getting involved with these people you know there has to be a reality check here among families to say what are our own young people at getting involved with criminals Um selling drugs for them uh, you know at the weekends in particular in certain uh, establishments where people go in and they will toddle off to the toilet and they'll snort their cocaine business people sports people people of, of, of all, all um, professional backgrounds and they're making a massive contribution to the workings and financial gain of drug dealers so, you know, people have to look within at themselves and their own habits as regards taking cocaine, taking heroin and so on and so forth. Uh, another area that, you know, we have to be very mindful of is the demand reduction services within the town. They're overrun. They're very, very good people. They're some of the most professional people I've ever met in my mm-hmm. life. And, and I, I certainly would, would compliment their work but they, they are in a very difficult position because you know if, if, if you want to you get up tomorrow morning and you decide I, I want to you know give up alcohol mm. there are a number of options there for you but if you get up tomorrow morning and say listen I have a difficulty with cocaine and unless you have a lot of money to go to some of the services and maybe pay for a six week course or something like that you're going to wait, you're going to have to wait and then you know a dr- an addict are they going to be able to wait no, they're going to be in a difficult position. So the, the vicious circle continues. And everybody is watching it
4: locally. Yeah. It's unfolding before our eyes. Young people who were brought into the world the same as anybody else uh, who were perfectly normal, came from good families who have gone down this road, have gone into a life of criminality and we've watched people yeah. die before us yeah. and quite literally so. And there's been a number of drug-related deaths in Drogheda and elsewhere. But in Drahada the big difference is this feud and how it's put everybody in the town in danger uh, and as you say there's a relatively small group of people maybe 40, 60, 80 people involved. Uh, do you wish to speak, speak to the gangsters, to the gangs?
12: Well some will listen some won't. I mean I, I have spoken to a number of the people who are involved in it and uh, the message they gave to me was that they they, uh, they had a, a job to finish with each other mm. And um, I suppose what I would say to them is, while they're endeavouring to inflict maximum damage on themselves, we will be arresting them. We certainly will be charging them. We'll be bringing them before the courts. And depending on the, the sentence, a number of them will end up in jail. And they could end up in jail uh, for a large number of years. And then they will be leaving behind their own families. I suppose what I'd also say to them, look how vulnerable they are leaving their, their partners, their own children. Because they're going to leave them open for maybe a number of years, uh, reprisal attacks, if they continue to do what they're doing. I haven't ever to mediate, I haven't ever to use mediation services in order to try and deal with this. Uh, It hasn't worked yet, hasn't worked, but it's certainly an avenue that is open to dealing with disputes, obviously mediation in criminal disputes is very very difficult particularly if, if if one side won't won't engage but i would I would say to them look at your mother and look at your father and and look at the damage you're inflicting on your own family uh look at the damage you're inflicting on a town that you grew up as a, as a child that you went to school with as a child and you know think about the long term damage you're going to do to yourself and that
4: on gardish will speak to both sides in this dispute Absolutely.
12: Absolutely. I, I, and
4: I, try and find some sort of resolution. Yes,
12: and, and it, it, it's a difficult area to deal with. I, I, I recognise that. I've done it before with criminals who fall out. Uh, but if there's a common ground reach, uh, it, sometimes maybe the, the the worst disputes can be sorted out uh, or else people can agree to put down their weapons and walk away. And and um, obviously then they're not going to cease the criminality and I'm not going to cease pursuing them. But uh, it is important that you know the you know they look at the look at look, look at look at the and we have spoken to some mm-hmm. of their mothers and fathers who don't want this you know there some of their grandmothers are getting attacked they don't want this uh, you know cars been burnt belong to grandmothers you know I mean. They have, and, and these are decent people, they've worked all their lives, to pay their taxes, and now they find because of their nephew mm. or niece becoming involved with uh, a criminal who's involved with, in the drug trade, they are now being targeted.
4: Mm. And there's so, so many strands of I mean, we yeah. heard of uh, health professionals who are afraid to visit people in their yeah. homes. Um, we're hearing of people who won't sleep at night. Uh, we're hearing of people who are going to bed well armed uh, and armed with fire extinguishers uh, and things like that we're hearing of people who are terrified because somebody next door to them has been uh, attacked, uh, just a, yeah. a, a final word, uh, I'm not sure how much of that you can <laughs> address uh, but there's so many strands to it as I say.
12: There are huge of strands to it but I, I certainly want to reassure the people of Trahada and obviously of Loud that we have a very very comprehensive plan in place which is well resourced and we will have a very, very visible presence on the street. We are uh, getting an allocation of members of Gharjikana. Uh, it's unprecedented because we are dealing with uh, an unprecedented situation here. You know, they, Thankfully, these situations don't break out too often, but when they do, uh, they have to be met with considerable resources. And the, cons- the resources that have been placed at my disposal, I certainly will use them to put an end to all this. And I can reassure the people of Drogheda, I will bring an end to it it will take me a little bit of time there will be some little some difficult times Uh, I recognise that but we have members in in, in, particularly in the Jawhead area who have extensive experience in dealing with you know any any of the serious criminals I'm going to lead this out personally I will be there uh, to make sure that we do deal with them and we'll be dealing with them very very forcibly very forcibly (sighs)
4: Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan, thank you very much indeed for coming into us and uh, for talking to us. And uh, I'm sure everybody wishes you the best of luck. And I'm sure that they'll show that by uh, demonstrating tomorrow uh, as well, demonstrating their support for you tomorrow at four o'clock on West Street. And thank you, as I say, for coming into us today. That's uh, the Chief Superintendent in uh, the Drogheda area, Christy Mangan. That's where we leave you for today. I hope you have a, a lovely, long weekend. And God willing, we'll see you for our next programme on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. on LMFM. Good morning. Bye bye.
3: The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us,
7: email now, michael at lmfm.ie.
2: LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Credit Union O'Neill Street or Cartmacrosscu.ie.